praise you, Lord, I praise you, oh, I praise you, yes, I praise you, how I praise you, my precious Lord. I love you, Lord, I love you, oh, I love you, yes, I love you, Lord, I love you, my lovely Lord. You are worthy, Lord, you're worthy, so you're worthy, so worthy, oh, you're worthy, most holy Lord. Jesus Christ is here. And we know he's here, and we can feel that he's here. So, we're just going to turn our Bibles to Psalm chapter 30, verse 5. God is going to speak to each one of you, to those of you who believe and those of you who don't believe and are struggling to believe. God is going to speak to each and every one of you. If you have not saw Jesus Christ, and if you have not tasted Jesus Christ, you're going to do today. And he's here. There was a person in the Bible... And his name was Thomas. You know what this Thomas did? He was three and a half years walking with Jesus. Every day, he was walking with Jesus. He stayed with Jesus. He went wherever Jesus went. He heard Jesus' teaching. But, when Jesus died, and he rose again, he said, unless I touch him, unless I really feel that this is the person who was really nailed and he rose again, I'm not going to believe. And the Holy Spirit says, if that is you, there are people here that the Lord is showing me that have, you have that doubt in your heart. You're not sure. You have unbelief. And you're saying, I don't think that Jesus is like how these people are betraying him to be. I don't think he's that real. I don't think that this can work for me. But the Spirit of the Lord says, Oh, Thomas, you have no faith. I love you so much. Because I love you. Not because of anything else. In spite of you not believing me, I'm going to come and show myself to you. And Jesus is looking at your face directly and he says, Even though you do not believe, the Lord says, I am here to reveal myself to you. I'm going to show who this real Jesus is. And God is going to speak to each one of you exactly according to your need, to your problem, to your situation, to your mental capacity, how much ever you can really take in. The Spirit of the Lord is going to minister. And so we're going to read from Psalm chapter 30, verse 5. Psalm chapter 30, verse 5. For his anger lasts only a moment. But his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night. Rejoicing comes in the morning. So, the promise that the Lord is giving us today is the next half. Weeping may stay for the night. But rejoicing comes in the morning. How many of us believe that? Amen. Weeping stays for the night. But at the daybreak, God says, rejoicing will come to you. And if you have that faith in Jesus Christ, that spot of righteousness, when He shines on your life, He'll turn that night into day. He will just flip it. Your night will turn into day. How many of you want our nights to become day? We're not nocturnal creatures, aren't we? No. All of us want sunshine. We all need sunshine. And I don't know about you or not, I am like that sunflower. If Jesus would not shine on me, I would die. All of us are like that. Without Jesus Christ, we will be destroyed. We won't even be here. Some of you, the Holy Spirit shows, if God had not intervened in your life, you would be under the grave. And the Spirit of the Lord says, it's His mercy. It's His grace. The grace of God just came over to you wherever you were didn't know about Jesus, but you said, God, help me. God, help me. To deepest pit, wherever you were, you said, God, help me. God's saw your tears. God said, you don't know who the real God is. But you called out with whatever knowledge you have. Little bit of knowledge you had and you called out. I'm the real God. I'm here to help you. And Jesus Christ, he came 
frustrate you. The love of Jesus goes past mountains, goes to the valleys, goes to the bottom of the sea. He goes all around, even if we sit in the tiniest spot where nobody can see under a blanket in the corner of the world. God says, I'm here. It's like a mommy who goes to a child, refusing to get up. I'm not getting up, I'm not getting up, I'm not getting up with a blanket on top. Mother comes and says, hold the blanket, get up, it's time to get up. That's what God has done for you. Lord, I'm not getting up. I'm going to be in the corner. I'm going to be where I don't know. I don't care if I live or die. Jesus says, oh no, you are meant to live and live for me. And that, is, that Jesus Christ is here. He's walking here. He's walking here. Jesus Christ, whether you can see with your eyes or not, He is walking. He's walking row by row by row. Jesus Christ is walking. He's looking to see. This is your desire. This is your longing. But just like how he came to Solomon and asked, Oh Solomon, what do you want? If Jesus would come and ask you, What do you want? What is your priority in your life? Will you say, Lord, I just want to finish this program and get out? <laughs> or will you just say, Lord, I just want this addiction to go? Or will you just say, Lord, I just want to eat some good food. I need some money. I need a good job, Lord. I want my family back. You can have all those things. But one thing is more important than all the rest of the worries we have in the back of our mind. If we make that choice, God says everything else will follow. If we say, Jesus, I want you. That's all I want. And Jesus says, really? You want me? Because he has everything. He has the silver and the gold. He has the mountains, he has the houses, he has cars, he has whatever you need, he has in his big storehouse. He is like one big daddy who has everything. But he wants to make sure that this 18 year old really changes and behaves. Otherwise, she can really damage herself. So he is one loving daddy, he says. I'm waiting, I'm watching. I don't want you to become a spoiled child who will come and say, right, give me a thousand dollars. Oh, I have a debt over there. That, pay that off. Lord, I need some money. Give me. I need some food. Give me. God says, no. I will take you to a starvation period. I will take you through a starvation period. Until you say, oh Lord, my belly hurts. I need to turn around. That's what God has done for some of you. That is the love of Jesus. Imagine God just kept giving you everything. Imagine He just kept giving you everything. We will have nothing but rottenness inside and outside. We don't want that. Our loving Father does not want that. So He says, in my love, I'm looking at each and every one of you and I say, what's good for you? What is 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 good for you? Jesus says, I'm going to give that to you. Not whatever we want. Not our greed. Not even sometimes our need. Until we realize that our basic foundational need is Jesus and Jesus alone. He's like the air that we breathe. Air that we breathe. Even without water we can go for some time. Without air? No. Jesus Christ is like the air that we breathe. If that air is in us, that air will keep our heart beating. That's what Jesus will do. If he comes into your life, and if he continues to stay in your life, and you choose to eat the right kind of food, then you will become healthy inside and out. In your soul, in your mind, and in your body, God's glory will be seen. God's ultimate purpose and destiny for you is to be a reflection of the Father. To be his princess. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. God wants us to be a reflection of him. Reflection of his holiness. Reflection of his righteousness. Reflection of his purity. Reflection of his love. Reflection of his patience. Reflection of who he is. Is it possible? Is it possible? Absolutely it's possible. I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me. And that Jesus Christ... He not only just stands by our side and cheers us up, He actually lives inside us. 
We have God living inside. Imagine the capacity, the potency you have inside you. Have you ever realized that? Have you realized what you have? Those of you who have Jesus in your heart, have you really realized the power that created the universe is living inside you and He can give you power to overcome this silly addiction? It's nothing for Him. It's nothing for Him. Only two things are required. One is willingness to say, Lord, this is garbage and it has to go where it belongs. Number one. Number two, Lord, I know you are able to give me the grace and the strength to carry this garbage and throw it where it belongs. One is the desire to get rid of it. Two, the faith that God will give you the strength to get rid of it. For He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or imagine. So, if you think, okay, I got rid of A and I got rid of B, but somewhere else C is just lingering still. Today is the day. Today is the day God is going to give a clean, cut, separation from the connection. You know when a baby is born? Imagine if the baby is born and then the mommy is walking with the umbilical cord and touch the baby everywhere she goes. How do you think that will be? How do you think that will look? Everywhere she goes. You're like, That's not like a doggy strap. No. You can't. How will it look? No. He's not supposed to. Right? But she's not supposed to, the baby. Same thing for the mother. And in our lives, whatever string Satan has put, the connection link to sin and your soul, today is the day to cut it off, put it so that you can breathe the breath that God will breathe into you this evening. The Spirit of the Lord is going to do that. So, we're going to just turn. Now, we saw the key text. Weeping may endure through the night. Joy will come in the morning. God is going to do that work. He's going to begin that work in your life. And those of you, God has begun that work. God is going to solidify it this evening. So we saw this, that God is going to remove our weeping and He's going to turn that into laughter. But, who is He really going to do that for? He's not going to go to everybody who's crying and say, okay, you're crying, I'm going to turn your laughter into, um, sorry, mourning into laughter. No. The specific people God does that. Why does He do that? We're going to uh, quickly go through a few verses and we're going to see what God has for us this evening before we go into prayer where the Spirit of the Lord is going to work. What we cannot do, who can do? God can do. Lord Jesus can do. Whatever we cannot do, when we see this is impossible, then the best thing for us to do is give it to Jesus. Because He can do it. When we come to a point that I am unable to, it's a good point. It's a starting point. That's when we really begin to start our race. Until then, we're not. We're trying, running and running and running and running. Really run as fast, as long as we could until we feel like, oh, I'm going to drop. But it's always good for us to know, halfway through, I'm gasping for breath. I need help. When we come to that point in our lives and say, Lord, I need help, that's when Jesus will come. As long as you think, I can make it, I can make it, I can make it, God say, try it, try it, try it, try But today, if you make that decision, not one more day, Lord, I'm not going to wait, I'm not going to stay in this water going home and think, I'm going to try and see, I'm going to wait and see, maybe this program is right for me, maybe not. Don't waste your time. Don't waste another day. Don't waste another day. Because Jesus is everything. What the world cannot give, what money cannot give, what a genie cannot give, what Santa cannot give. What Obama cannot give. Jesus can give. He can and he will. And he's here this evening. So let's quickly turn to Genesis chapter 21. And let's read from verse 8. Genesis 21. Verse 8. I'm just going to give you um, 30 seconds. that you get to the passage. So when I read, you can read along. Genesis chapter 21. Verse 8. This is the story of Abraham. Abraham, if we know about Abraham, then we know that he is the father of faith, right? He was a man who was in idolatry. But then God went to him and said, Abraham, I am God, and I'm calling you out of your country. I'm telling you to leave this place. Because you know what, Abraham? I have a better place for you. 
I have a beautiful place for you. And Abraham said, Oh Lord, I'm willing to leave everything. And he left everything. And he followed God. So, this Abraham, he didn't have a child for many, many years. And finally, his wife says, Okay, you don't have a child. Why don't you marry your maid? Maybe you'll have a child for your inheritance. Otherwise, your servant is going to become, you know, your heir. And Abraham listened to Sarah. And he married. Um, he took the maid and had a child. And the child's name was Ishmael. Now, the reason why I'm summarizing this is for us to have a picture of what is actually happening here. And that maid's name is Hagar. So we're going to read about Hagar. This woman, Hagar, had this child, Ishmael, where Abraham's wife couldn't have. She couldn't give what she should have given. But this woman, all of a sudden, she was able to have a child and give it. So now, she is making fun of her mistress, that is, her boss's wife, when she's a maid. But she's making fun of it all. Not able to have a child. Look, I have a child. And at that point, Sarah, Abraham's wife, gets really vexed. And she tells Abraham, Abraham, I don't want this woman in this house. Send her away. Because I thought something good will come out of this. But there's a mess. You know what? Anytime we take matter into our own hands and think that we can do something better, try to work something out, and have a scripture portion and say, God will back me up, there will be disaster. For sure. A promised disaster. Because we cannot do anything properly. Period. You cannot do anything right. I cannot do anything right. We can try. It can be a good try sometimes. But many times it will end in disaster. So that's what happened over here. Abraham was promised a child. But Sarah took matters into her own hands. She thought she was giving her husband a good counsel. Right? Any time when we feel that we're getting a good idea or a good counsel, I would strongly suggest you take it to God and ask Him, Jesus, what do you think of this? And the best thing is, it's not that you sit in the place and say, okay, God is going to say, my daughter, this is good for you. No. Always it's in His Word. Always God's will for your life is in His Word. Sometimes you'll hear it, sometimes He speaks through dreams, but it will always fall in line with the Scripture, with the Word of God. And Hagar took this opportunity and she started harassing, basically, Sarah. And it was time for her to kick her out. That's what happened. Now, when this happened, we're going to read... This is the portion that we're going to meditate now, quickly. Genesis 21, verse 8 onwards. The child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had born to Abraham was mocking. Verse 10. And she said to Abraham, Get rid of the slave woman and her son. But that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. Verse 11. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. Verse 12. But God said to him, Do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. And I will make the son of the slave into a nation, because he is your offspring. I want to stop right here. The Spirit of the Lord wants me to address this issue. Some of you have past connections in your life. Those are your Hagar's. You have past connections. It may not be right now because you're in this place, but it's in your head. You are emotionally connected to Hagar in your life. Until you get rid of that Hagar, you're not going to progress. You walk with God. You will not get your Isaac. What promise God has given to you, this Hagar will try to rob this Hagar will try to cut that short. This Hagar will try to eventually destroy you. And the promise and the vision, the Isaac that God has put in you. The call of God in your life. That's your Isaac. The call of God, God has for you in your life. It's your Isaac. 
But as long as you have your past connections, your Hagar, which has emotional connection that no one knows of, the Holy Spirit sees that. God says, it's high time. Listen to somebody like Sarah who's standing here and telling, get rid of this Hagar. And so, it can feel difficult inside. Some of us might think, oh, I thought after I finish this program, I can go and join with my Hagar. God says that Hagar will bring death to your life. Period. Tell the Lord, say, Lord, I want to sever my relationship with my Hagar. Whoever that is, you know in your heart. Lord, I'm making a deal with you. Even though it is painful. Even though it is causing great distress. I know this Hagar is not good for me. And you will never tell me to do something that is not good for me. So when God sees something and he says, My daughter, get rid of this Hagar. We have to say, Yes, Lord. I will do it. I will do it today. I will do it today. Before the end of the service, we're going to tell the Lord, Lord, I'm going to say goodbye permanently, forever. Hagar. And then the Lord will say, Now, your child, Isaac, will inherit all things. The purpose that God has for you in your life will thrive. It will thrive. Because you know what? It took all the weeds out. Right? Everything that is hampering you from really growing in the Lord, from God's vision, God's call on your life, has been dampened really by these weeds, external factors. External factors that are like crying in your life, that is draining your life. You can have a day program here. You can memorize some scriptures. You can read some books. You can write some book reports. You can do some gardening. You can do some cleaning. But the Holy Spirit shows in the back of your mind, you have Hagar. The Lord says, it is time for you to destroy it. Today, mark the day in your calendar. Say, Lord, I am making this commitment. Never turn back. Never to have this Hagar anymore. One more thing the Spirit of the Lord is bringing to me. There was a person in the Bible. Her name was Rachel. You know what Rachel did? Rachel was Jacob's wife. Jacob was Isaac, Abraham's son, Isaac's son. And so it was Abraham's grandson's wife. And this Rachel, when she had to come out with her family, she took her father's idol. She was pregnant. She had her father's idol. She put it on her camel and she sat on top of it. And now, when Jacob says, nobody has any idol. By the way, we are not supposed to have idols, right? That's why this Holy Spirit is bringing this. We're not supposed to have idols. So, what the Lord is showing is, we can be in this program, like we're sitting on top of the camel, but the Spirit of the Lord says, you have an idol that you're sitting on top of it. That idol will bring death to you, whether you know it or not. Whether you admit it or not. Whether you realize it or not. So it's high time we say, Lord, even if the whole world sees, I'm going to get up from the cabin and say, here, take the idol, throw it off. I'm not going to sit on top of it and pretend to be a Christian. I'm not going to sit on top of an idol and pretend to be a spiritual person. I'm not going to sit on top of the idol. Cover it. Make sure it's there. Pretend to play believer. That is an abomination to the Lord. God says, either be hot or be cold. Don't be in the middle. Don't be in the middle. God has brought you to this place with a very specific purpose. God is using people to spend money on you with a specific purpose. I don't know why the Spirit of the Lord wants me to tell this to you, but as a, like a mother would tell to the daughter, God is talking to you. God has brought you here. Specific plan, specific purpose. God says, don't ruin it. Don't waste it. You have to go to the promised land. I have Canaan for you. You're not going to be here forever. But be honest. 
Be honest. If you have an idol all this time, God says, get rid of it. Anything that stands between you and God is your idol. Further clarification. He says, I don't have a real idol. God says, oh no. You have an idol in your mind. Get rid of that idol. Today we need to have a burning ceremony, idol burning ceremony. Where we take all our mental images from the past and burn it at the feet of Jesus. Get rid of it. The Lord says, now you can go. Now you can continue going to kingdom. If not, halfway you'll be gone. We don't want that, right? We don't want to be here for some time and then go back. After some time, just go right back to where we came from. Because Satan had a hold on our life because the idol that we held on to. We can't walk into the future if we are holding on to our past. We cannot. This is going to drive us. But if we say, I'm going to let go of this, then we can go forward. So, the Lord is good. The Lord says over here, Abraham was distressed in his heart. But, Abraham made the right decision. He said, I'm going to obey. I'm going to get rid of Hagar. And he did the right thing. So let's continue reading from verse 14. What did Abraham do? He just didn't say, Lord, I'm making a a promise to you that I'm going to get rid of. But he did. He showed that in action. That's number two. We need to really show our commitment to the Lord with what we do. So, let's read verse 15. When the water in the... I'm sorry. Let's read verse 14. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with a boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away. For she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. I'm going to stop here. Now, we're looking at Hagar. Hagar had no relationship with the Lord. She was from Egypt. Egypt identifies sin. She was from Egypt. Though Abraham was a worshiper of God, she didn't take anything from Abraham. She had no relationship with God. She's just going now with water and with a child. Imagine she's just walking, wandering off into the wilderness. All of a sudden there's no water. What did she do? She got into despair. She got into despair. She said, oh no. Now there's no water. It's running out. It's running out. It's running out. There's no water. What's going to happen if there's no water? It's going to die. And if it's a young child, the child is going to die. So she says, I'm not going to see my child die. And she's just leaving this child. And she's going to go further away. And she says, I'm not going to watch my child die. She's going into desperation. Now, God is speaking to that group of people. Those of you who say, Lord, I tried A, I tried B, I tried C, and I tried all the way up to Z. Jesus says, try C, who is Christ. You have tried everything in the world. Try Christ. Give him a chance. Give Jesus a chance. In vain... We've gone after so many things, right? Pursuits in life. Into with empty hands. Nothing. Nothing in our hands. And we look at ourselves and say, what have I done? All these years. Wasted years. What have I done? Full of regrets. The Lord says, you know what? I want to cause you to move forward. Don't give it to despair like Hagar. Don't give it to despair like Hagar. Know your Jesus Christ. No, Jesus Christ can hear you. This Hagar, you're going to see, cried. She cried to herself. God never heard her prayers. She didn't pray to begin with. God never heard her cry. You know why? She cried to herself. She didn't go and cry to Jesus. Imagine you have someone who can give you a million dollars, right? And he lives right next door to you. And he has a sign on the door which says, Anyone who comes to me, I will wipe away all your debts. Okay? 
And you know what we do? We sit right next to that. Next apartment, next door. And we cry, Lord, I don't know what to do. I have no food. I'm going to get kicked out of the house. Who's going to pay my rent? Oh, the phone is going to disconnect. Oh, no phone. Oh, what can I do for food? You know what some of us do? Instead of going and knocking on the door, how that millionaire, you know what we do? We just say, I would rather walk on the street on my own. I'm going to go search into every garbage can I find. How foolish can that be? Right? Those are the people who look wise in their own eyes. When somebody from outside looks at them, what do they think? They think, how dumb can this person be? When someone is willing to offer, they have a sign. They're not, they're not going to come and knock on your door and say, Oh, honey, can I give you $10, $20? They're going to do that. They can offer for a sign. That's a big thing. Jesus did that. He displayed a sign on the cross of Calvary. Anyone who comes to me with bleeding hands, he said, anyone who comes to me, freely I give. Come to me. He'll pay your rent bill. He'll pay your mortgage. He'll pay your car insurance. He'll give you a food. Only to those who come under his roof. Not for anyone. Not for anyone. For his children. Bible says, he who gave his own sign for us, how will he not give you everything else? He will. He will. But, if we go after materialistic things and come to God for gain, know for sure we can't play games with God. He knows our hearts. He knows our minds. We wouldn't want that, right? You wouldn't want your son or your daughter or your brother or your sister coming knocking on your door every time. Give me money, give me money, give me money, but does not want you. Would you want to do anything for them? No. We wouldn't want. We wouldn't want such a creature, right? We wouldn't. How can we dare think about God that way? Just going to God whenever we want, when we feel better than doing our own thing. Then when we get hit again, then run to God. God is so merciful. Every time we run, He takes us back. How can we do that to God? How can we do that to God? Some of us have gotten so cold and so hard inside our heart. We think we can keep on doing it. But we need to know, you know what? He's not the loser. It's me. It's me. Every time I get something and go around wondering, those are all the wasted period. I'm hurting myself. I'm hurting myself. Without you knowing are you admitting every time you do something out of God, you're actually taking something out of your life? Your life is being cut short. Like how a person with asthma gasps for breath. That's how you become. You know what? Instead of going to Jesus Christ who says, I can breathe fresh breath on you and give you that breath, you say, Where's my inhaler? Where's my inhaler? Where's my inhaler? With the inhaler, you're still struggling to breathe. And God can give you brand new lungs. What do you want? Did you ever think, what do I really want? Have you ever sat for a few minutes and thought, what do I really want? What do I really want in this life? What do I want? Do I want money? Do I want friends? Do I want a husband? Do I want my family back? What do I really want? What is my purpose on earth? What do I really want? Do I want to make a name? Do I want to have a career? What do I really want? Do you really put your desire and just see is it worth anything? How long do you think you're going to live on this earth? How long? 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 60, 80, 90, maybe 120, say even 200. What are you going to do after that? What are you going to do after that? It just goes, right? Just goes. How many of us remember that we were all eight at one time? Eight years old. How many of you were eight years old at one time? You were all, right? You all wish that you could be eight again? You all want to grow, you want to go, but you miss being eight. You can never be eight again. You can never be eight again. You can never be nine again. You can never be ten again. All the time that you miss with Jesus, you're never going to get back. But, before you know, 
From 8, you became 28. Some of us from 28, you became 38. From 38, all of a sudden, I don't know how I became 58. Some of us think, right? And then somebody who's 78, they'll be thinking, how did I become 78? Before you know, you and I have stand before the Almighty God. God said, this body that I created, and put life in for the purpose. What did you do with it? Because you and I are created with a purpose. With a very unique purpose. What did you do on earth? In this, whatever time period God came. Because we don't know, right? All of a sudden, somebody at 45, they're gone. We don't know, right? How long we'll be there? We can't be thinking, well, maybe I'll be 78. No. It's not guaranteed. But, whether it's 25 or 35 or 75, whatever it is, if it's spent well worth at the Master's feet, even if it's 25, Jesus Christ will stand up for you when you go near heaven's gates. How many of us want that? How many of us want a grand entry into heaven? We all do. We all do. How many of us want our daddy to rejoice, a heavenly father, not talking about the earthly daddy. Erase it out of your mind. It's talking about Heavenly Father. If you don't have a father or never had a father, don't worry about it. If you had a father, if you didn't behave like a father, erase that memory out of your mind. Jesus Christ will show you how a father should be. Jesus Christ will show you how he can be a father. He will give you all the love, compassion, all the hugs you missed. Jesus Christ will give that. They can say, oh really? I don't see him in my room, right? I don't see like the white darkling robe and oh my daughter giving us a hug. No, but I tell you, if you really learn to trust him and walk with him, even if you don't see him in person, you will feel his presence so tangible. You will feel his love so tangible. It is worth trading anything in this world. Anything. Anything. If somebody would come and say, I will give the whole world for you. I would say, keep it to yourself. I can never give up Jesus. Because he is much bigger than this universe. What is this tiny world compared to somebody who is much bigger than the universe? Right? That's who Jesus is. Jesus Christ is everything. Now back to Hagar. Hagar had no hope because... She did not leave Egypt in her heart. She had no hope because she did not get to know the God of Abraham, though she was from Abraham's family. Now, the Holy Spirit wants to address this. Some of you have come from Christian homes. You have Christian heritage. But you did not choose to know the God of your fathers. You did not choose to know the God of your parents. It's okay. It's not okay. But you can cry over it now. God says, get to know Jesus now. Get to know Jesus now. Wasted days are over. That's why Jesus is here to erase the past, right? Erase it. I would say when I go to different places, God presses the delete button. He does not save your sins. He saves you from your sins. But He does not save your sins on His computer. He deletes it and He hits permanent delete and it's gone not on anybody's hard drive. He has no backup storage. When he deletes it, he permanently deletes it. And you cannot retrieve it. That's who our God is. The love of Jesus goes so deep. It is so strong. Irresistible. God is so loving. He takes care of us. Spirit, soul, body, and mind. Who can do that? Who can do that? The most loving human on earth cannot meet your spirit, soul, and body's needs. God can meet you through and through. Your spirit, soul, body, and mind, your emotions. What somebody cannot understand, what a human cannot understand, Jesus can understand. When you feel, Lord, no human can understand me, God would say, hmm, you're looking for sympathy again? Don't cry crocodile tears in front of me. God never says that. The Lord says cry. God never says don't cry to me. You see the example for that in the Bible. You know that? 
For a woman, a sinful woman, went to Jesus Christ, broke the alabaster ointment. And she cried and cried and cried and cried and cried until she could cry no more at the feet of Jesus. Do you know that? Jesus did not say, hey, woman, I am God. Why are you crying in front of me? What do you want? Tell me. I'll give it to you. Get up and go. He didn't say that. He let her cry. And she wiped her tears with her hair. God says, you want to cry? One person, best person you can cry to is Jesus Christ. You can go to your room, sit there, and cry all you want. And he sees your tears and he collects them, God says. Not a single tear goes to waste. Who do you cry to? That's the question. Is your cry like Hagar's cry? Just goes nowhere. Just wetting the pillow with tears. A lot of tissue. No results. But if you know your God, if you know the God of Abraham, then all your tears will bring results for you. All your tears will become answered prayers. All your tears will become into laughter in the morning. Morning will come for you. 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 Jesus will do that. 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 But, get to know Jesus. Get to know Jesus with everything you have in your heart. We don't want to go to him because he will give me some goodies. We go to him for who he is. Because he is everything. He makes my life complete. He makes everything new. He is everything to me and he can be everything to you. How many of us want to just commit our lives to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to read one more verse and then we're going to conclude. How many of us want to commit everything to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want to be like Hagar. I don't want to be like Hagar. A lot of times we, we want to take a positive character from the Bible and see how positive they ended, right? Today God wants to take something negative to teach something positive to us. And that's what we're learning from the life of Hagar. Where she, let's read from 15 again, when the water in the skin was gone, that means her supply was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Sounds very familiar, right? When all our strength is gone, when we can do anything anymore, we say, I'm going to give up. That's what she does over here. She said, everything is gone. And 16 says, she went off and sat down about a bow shot away. But she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. Now she sat there, she began to sob. Verse 17, interesting, very interesting. Look at verse 17. God heard the boy crying. It does not say God heard Hagar crying. She didn't cry to the Lord. She didn't say, oh God, help me. God of Abraham, help me. Though she knew that God of Abraham was the one who gave Abraham Isaac, that was a substantial miracle for her to know. She didn't turn to God. Some of you have seen God in your lives over and over again. God would have rescued you from the pit. He could have rescued you from the gunshot. He can rescue you from knives pointed to your throat. But after that, you say, I still have a doubt. I'm still not convinced. God will look at you. He will look at your face and he will say, How much proof do you want? Before, everything will be gone. That's why Jesus has come here today. He's come here to say, Oh, Thomas, I'm here to show my hands. I don't have to. I'm God. Jesus says, still, because I love you, because you're looking for me, I'm here. Put your hand into my palm. Put your hand in my side. I'm Jesus. Can you find a greater love than this? Can you? I can't. And I'm sure you cannot. No one, even though he gave his life, even though he predicted what was going to happen, this guy said, I'm not going to believe. And for this guy, Jesus came. He said, I'm here. You're important to me. Jesus came to him. The same Jesus Christ is here today. Let's finish off with this. God heard the cry of the boy. 
The angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand and I will make him into a great nation. Only for one reason. Only for one reason. Because he was the son of Abraham, his child. Otherwise, that would have happened. So in your life, in my life, what really qualifies us to really receive in receiving anything from the hand of our Heavenly Father is you have to be His child. Without becoming His child, don't expect anything from the Lord. Without crying to Him, don't expect God to come and solve everything in your life. God is our refuge, our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Anytime we're in trouble, anytime we need refuge, God is there. He is your refuge, He's my refuge. He's your strength, and He's my strength. Until we make Him to become our refuge and our strength, the strength will be there waiting for you. Turn close eyes. Praise you, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shall we all stand up?
God shows me that some of you are very bitter. Very bitter inside. Very bitter inside. The Lord says, I can turn your bitterness into sweetness. Hallelujah. I can turn your bitterness into sweetness. You have eaten sour grapes because of what you sowed. But the Lord says, bring your sour grapes to me and I will turn it into sweetness.
Lord, who have trouble, Father, in their lives. Like a woman with the issue of blood. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you regulate everything that needs to be regulated in their bodies. Regulate everything that needs to be regulated in the emotions. All oh, things that cannot be contained in their life. Jesus Christ, I ask you, Lord Jesus Christ. Contain it, Lord, by your power. Lord, that which looks unstable in their lives. So Lord, I pray, bring stability, O God. I ask you, Holy Spirit, take control of Take control of them. Take control of them. Take control of them. Take control of them. Take control of them, Jesus. What man cannot do, Jesus, you will do. You will do. So I pray and I commit them into your hands. Lord God, healer, spirit, soul, body, and mind, and emotions. I ask you that you accept the captives. Yes, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I come against all the powers of darkness. Every demonic spirit that has these children under the influence of Satan. I bind them in Jesus' name. I take victory in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. At this time, whatever Hagar you have in your life, whatever old connections you have in your life, whatever emotional tie that you have in your life, to an object, to a person, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, bring it at the feet of Jesus. Bring it at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes. In your heart, tell Jesus, Lord, I want to part with this. If that is you, raise your hand and say, Lord, I want nothing to do with this. Lord, I want to abandon my Hagar to say. If that is you, raise your hand and say to God, let Jesus say, Hallelujah. 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 Father, I pray that you give these precious love. Lord, who are relinquishing their Hagar's in their lives this day? I pray that you give them grace. Give them grace to stay true to their commitment to you, Jesus. I pray, make them mighty women of God. A trophy of them. To the faithfulness of God. Thank you for doing Thank you for doing Continue to guide us as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Precious Christ, I'm a new creature.